trouble is a good thing. Let's look at trouble as being a good thing. I know I'm going to have to spend some time in the Scriptures to get you to see that, but it's in there. Second Corinthians, Second Chronicles, chapter 15. You would. I want you to see the Bible speaks of God bringing trouble, and if God brings trouble upon us, it's going to be a good thing. Second Chronicles, chapter number 15. We're going to start the dialogue in verse number four. Verse 1, to, to kind of give you the backdrop on it, the Bible says in 15.1, The Spirit of God came upon Ezra, the son of Oded. I think I said that right. Oded. <clears throat> and he went out to meet Asa, and he said unto him, hear, hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you be with him. If you seek Him, He will be found of you. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. Now, for a long season, Israel hath been without a true God, without a teaching priest, without the law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the... What? The Lord. It was in their trouble is when they turned unto the Lord. The God of Israel sought him, and he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to them that went out, nor to him that came in, but great what? Vexation. It wasn't in a good time. Were upon the inhabitants of the countries, and nations was destroyed of nations and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Say, what are you saying? Who caused that trouble? Who caused that trouble? God caused that trouble for what reason? Was it for their their diminishing or for their good? See, some if you're trying to run from God any way, shape, or form. If you're not closer to God now than you were in the past, then God's going to bring some trouble. If we're not closer to God than we have ever been in a church, then God is going to bring some trouble. Second Chronicles chapter 29. Second Chronicles chapter number 29. The Bible says in verse number 6, For our fathers, verse 6, 29, 6, 2 Chronicles 29, 6, For our fathers have trespassed and done that which is evil, and the eyes of the Lord our God have forsaken Him and have turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and have turned their backs. They have shut up the doors of the porch, put out the lamps, have not burned incense nor offered burnt offerings, in thy holy place under the under the God of Israel. Verse 8. He says, Wherefore the wrath of the Lord is upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them into what? Trouble. Who did that? 
Who did that? God did that. If you're not where you need to be, God's going to bring some what? Trouble. So trouble, is that a bad thing or is it a good thing? You guys don't want to say it, do you? Trouble's what? It's a good thing. If it brings us where we need to be with the Lord, then trouble equals a good thing. I, I know you're struggling with me. Maybe you need to say it a couple times. Trouble is what? It's a good thing. If it brings us closer to the Lord, then trouble is a good thing. And he says, to astonishment and to a hissing, as you see with your eyes, for lo, your fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity for this. Verse number 10, Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that His fierce wrath may turn away from us. Now we always think of God as loving. God is a God of anger too, isn't He? I think if anything else, God wants Garfield Ridge Baptist Church, me as your pastor... To be the example to this world. How many think that? The world ought to look at this building and us as His people and say, these people love God. These people are not playing games. These people are serious about God. They, 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 they work hard at it. They sacrifice. They're always doing something down at that church. They're trying to promote, bring people to the... And don't think people don't know that we're trying to bring people to Christ. When your friends and, and your neighbors and your co-workers get annoyed at you because you are always trying to get them to Jesus, one way or another, and you'd say to them openly, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you'll come to know Christ as your Savior. I'm praying you'll come out. To, just say it. I'm praying you'll come out to church with me. And you know we're going to be having events. And you keep asking. And you keep inviting. You say this. And you're talking to them about the Gospel. One thing they're going to know about you, you may be a fanatic, but you love Jesus Christ. And you love them. Enough to be concerned about them. If that's not there, then God says there's something missing. Nehemiah chapter number 9, if you would. Nehemiah, if you would. Ezra and Nehemiah. It's only a few books over. Nehemiah chapter number 9. We're going to start in verse number 25. I want you to see this. I want you to understand it. I want you to say, if it's trouble that brings us closer to God, then let's pray for God's trouble to bring us to a place of prayer. Nine and twenty-five, and they took and they took strong cities and fat land, possessed the houses full of goods, wells dig, vineyards and olives yards fruit trees in abundance, so they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in the great goodness. So they're in this epic, this good place. 
Same place Solomon was. Nevertheless, verse 26, they were what? Remember what leads to obedience? Remember we talked about it? Trouble produces humility. Humility produces prayer. Prayer produces obedience. And it says here they were in what? What, were, what was their problem? Disobedience. Verse number, I lost my place, 26. Nevertheless, they were in disobedience, rebelled against thee, cast thy law behind their backs, slew the prophets which testified against them to turn them to, to, turn them to thee, and they were wrought great provocation. Therefore, thou didst deliver them into the hand of their enemies who vexed them in the time of their trouble when they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven, and according to thy manifold mercies, thou gave them saviors who saved them out of their hand of their enemies. But after they had rest, they did evil again before the Lord, and leftest thou them in the hand of their enemies, so they, they had no dominion over them. Yet when they returned, they cried unto thee, and many times didst thou deliver them according to thy mercies. Little storytelling there, wasn't it? Every time it was good, they did what? They did bad. When they did, when it got bad for them, they did what? They did good. Is trouble bad or is trouble good? It's good. So you're going to pray with me, right? Lord, bring whatever kind of trouble you have to bring to make me what? Pray with what? All my heart. Not just these kind of these little flowery things that we do. Uh, uh, come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let this food be be blessed. Amen. Not that kind, but that kind of earnest to say, Lord, I know that that the issues are here. These are the problems that I'm facing. But that isn't really the problem. It's not the finances. It's not the sickness. It's not the. That's not really the issue. It's obedience. And I can't get to that place of obedience till I get to the place of humility. I can't get to the place of humility till I I recognize the problem and the trouble. I'm going to give you one more. I have several, but I just want you to see this one. Psalm 20. Psalm 20. I say, as your pastor, let's welcome any kind of challenge that the Lord brings to bring us back to Him. Let's recognize it that, hey, the problem isn't the Cook County, the problem isn't the taxes, the problem isn't my, uh, because I live in a, uh, uh, a place where everybody's sick and I'm sick too, the problem is I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. Psalms, I'll get there. 20. We're going to look in verse 1. The Lord, hear thee in the day of trouble. When did he hear us? Huh. The name of God of Jacob, defend thee, send thee help from the sanctuary, strengthen thee out of Zion, 
Remember all the offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice, Selah. Grant thee, according to thine own heart, fulfill all thy counsel. It's basically a surrender. Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. We will rejoice in thy salvation in the name of our God. We will set our banners of the Lord. Fulfill all thy some of thy petitions. Hmm. There we go with that word all again. Verse 6. Now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with a saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They brought down and fallen, but we are risen and stand upright. Save, Lord, let the King hear us when we call. You read that verse, you read it and you read it and you read it and you say, listen, trouble's a good thing. Because every time we recognize our issues, our problems, as the Lord allowing those issues and those problems. And you know, let me say this. If you don't have any trouble, the Bible says if you're without chastisement, you're what? Puh, you don't even belong to Him. Whom the Lord loveth, He what? You look at Job. Man, you, you couldn't have found a better man than Job. And God wasn't happy with Job. But he was the best out there. But listen, God doesn't just chasten anybody. He chastens us to produce more fruit. We get happy with a little bit of a a blessing here and there, but God says, no, I want abundant fruit. So, let's look at the word trouble for just a minute. Primary word trouble means to stir. You ever been, boy, they're always stirring up trouble. Ever heard that? The idea is to whirl about, to agitate, to disturb, to put into confused motion. So God is stirring the pot. He's mixing things up a little bit. And if He isn't doing that, we're going to pray that He does. To disturb, to perplex. Trouble. Here's the way some people face trouble. And I don't want you to waste a good trouble. Alright, I want you to hit the trouble. I want you to hit, I want you to focus on where it's coming from, why it's getting there. Don't get distracted. Here's some way people face trouble. Somebody has a problem in their life, they do the number or what I call the blame game. I know none of you do that. You know what the blame game is? Trouble comes. You start the blame game with, here's how you do it. First of all, the heathen always, always blame the spiritual. How many know that Israel has suffered persecution from the get-go? Why? Well, the heathen always blame the spiritual. If we have something going on in this church, it's always going to be the ones that are on the... On the fringe, they're going to try to give issues to the ones that are in the center. 
let me ask you, don't start the blame game. The blame game is always <clears throat> the proud. And here's a good waste of a good trouble. Trouble is a good thing, but you can waste it by being proud. The proud blame everybody but themselves. How many have ever done that? It's, it's my husband. It's always, it's always works that or it, it's my kids. Or it's the pastor. Or it's those people in the church. Have you ever been in the blame game? Well, you're going to waste a good trouble. See, when you, when you say, you know what, I'm facing some issues and it isn't people around me, it isn't my husband, it isn't my children, it's the Lord dealing with me. So you can either be like the heathen and blame the spiritual, or you can be like the proud and blame everybody else but themselves, or you can, here's the third one, you can waste a good trouble. Or you can be like the self-righteous, and the self-righteous, they blame their leaders. Remember, remember the children of Israel when they were having problems in the wilderness? How many remember what, what they, how they handled it? Ah, oh, Moses! You just let us out of here. What's wrong with you? You trying to kill us? That's self-righteous. So you got the heathen blaming the spiritual. You got the proud blaming everybody else but themselves. You have the self-righteous blaming their leaders. Got one more for you. The backslidden. Ha! Nobody around here like that, I'm sure, right? The backslidden, they blame other Christians. Now, what, what we need to do is we say, you know, all of us, if we're a child of God, are going to face some chastisement or some trouble, right? So what we do is instead of blaming everybody but themselves or blaming their leaders or blaming other Christians, of course, the backslidden, they not just blame other Christians, they blame their spouse, they blame their children. Let me give you another one. Not only is it a, can be the blame game, it can be the greatest sporting event. Really? Yeah. Trouble can be the, the greatest sporting event for some people. Here's what some people do with trouble. They talk about it. Oh, yeah. They talk about it. And if they don't talk about it, they gossip about it. Hey, if they're not gossiping, they're going to give you their opinion about it. Or if they're not else, they're going to fret about it. Has that fixed the problem? Some people, because it's the greatest sporting event there is, they talk about it, they gossip about it, they give their opinion about it, they fret about it. They don't let it die. You ever seen that? Somebody got a problem, they just want to keep festering the problem. That's part of their life. 
They don't let it die. They don't forgive. And if they do do something, they make the problem worse. But I know you don't want to be make it a sporting event. And I know you don't want to play the blame game. I know you're like me. You say, Pastor, how do we get the most out of a problem or out of trouble? Well, let's fix it. Turn to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. It's interesting that we we have to go and go and go and go. You know, literally there are Christians that live their lifetime and never get the best out of any problem that comes into their life. Live the whole life in their church and never see a benefit from any trouble. Because they never recognized it as a blessing. They never recognized it from the Lord. They never appreciated it. Hebrews 12 outlines how to where to deal with trouble. Verse 6. It says, For whom the Lord what? He chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receives and endure chastening. That means if you deal with trouble the right way, you don't make the blame game, you don't make it a sporting event. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son whom he, the Father, chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, as I mentioned earlier, whereof all are partakers, then your bastards are not sons. Basically, if you're not having any trouble, then maybe you're not saved. But if you be without chastisement, I don't think there's a person here that should be if they're saved. Verse 9, Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we much not rather be subjection to the Father of spirits and live? This is talking about a spiritual life. For verily they for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our what? Trouble is what? It's a good thing. It's for our what? It's for our profit. And so when we have issues, and we all have issues, what should it cause us to do? It's simple. I'm not making this hard. What should it cause us to do? Pray like you've never prayed before. Seek God's face like you've never sought Him before. Be humble to the point that I'm saying, evening, morning, and noon will I pray and seek His face. God's going to show you some things. Not about your neighbors. Not about your pastor. He's going to show you some things about yourself. And if every person here would take that inward look at themselves and say, Lord, these issues are not anybody else's problems. 
Yes, they may be uh, somehow uh, circumstances of issues of people, but it really it's affecting me and it's going to cause me to pray. Then trouble is what? Come on, you're so reluctant to say that. Trouble is what? It's a good thing. It's causing me to pray. It's causing me to seek God's face. It's causing me to get closer to God. It's causing me. And it's a good thing. And he says, shall we not give them reverence? And shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father's spirits and live? Verse 10, For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but He for our profit that we might be partakers of His what? Holiness. Again, what was holiness? We take this book and you say, well, Addie isn't tall enough to sit at the table, so I'll stick my Bible in it and prop her up. Is that what it is? This is for one purpose, isn't it? It's for the Word of God. It's to study. It's to know God. It's not to be propped up. As, it's not to set it. Well, I've got a nice book on my shelf. You see how nice it looks? It's got a nice leather bounding and some gold print. Is that what it's for? Same thing with you and me. We're not some little wall hanging. We're not some picture hanging on the wall. Oh, isn't she beautiful? Isn't he beautiful? Uh, Garfield Ridge, isn't that that nice little brick church that sits on the corner with the green grass and all mowed down and, and the nice black and uh, parking lot and the nice market? Isn't that, is that what it's for? It's set apart for what purpose? For God's hand. Use it whatever way you want. So when the Christian becomes humbled by problems, their humility causes them... Come on, help me out with it. Their humility causes them to what? You guys are so sore. Go! Humility causes them to what? Pray. Great. And when they pray, what happens? They become obedient. Oh, we're getting, we're getting somewhere. And when they are obedient, they become what? Sanctified, in other words, holy. So trouble! What is it? It's a good thing. Man, how are you going to pray? Come on. Lord, bring some trouble. No, you won't. I know you won't. You pray. And you say, God, whatever it takes for me to get from that proud place I am to the humble place to a place of holiness, do whatever you got to do. I'll be honest with you. You may kick me out from being your pastor, but I'm going to pray for trouble. Carolyn, I'm going to pray for trouble. Whoa, he pointed the finger right at me. I'm going to look back all the way back there, that one of them Luna girls. I'm going to pray for you, but I'm not going to pray. I'm going to pray for trouble. You don't love me. Monterosis as well. Nobody's exempt. I'm going to pray for Paul. Paul, I'm praying for trouble. Say, why, Pastor? I thought you loved us. Yep. Yep, I do. Cynthia, 
No, Pastor, don't do that. I've already got, and it's times three. I'm just kidding, Danny. What am I saying? If it causes us to what? Pray. It's a good thing. Not just this junky prayer. The prayer that gets... You know, why would Jude write, or James write, the effectual? Come on, you know the rest of it. The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man does what? Either that, either James didn't know what he was talking about, or James understood this idea of trouble being good. I've never seen effectually praying people that haven't got a whole boatload of trouble. I'm saying to you today, I don't want these banners to be up there just as some kind of decoration. I don't want all this stuff up here just because I want this to be up here because right now, people at Garfield Ridge Baptist Church looking around and seeing all the issues that are going on in their life and they say, okay, understand this. I'm not in the blame game. I'm not, it's not a sporting event for me. It's all about God working in our lives. It's all about me being the center of God's will. It's all about us corporately joining together and saying, God, your will be done. But it's only going to come because this is not a battle. We can, we can physically do all this thing, but literally, those loved ones you want to see saved, right? How many of you got loved ones you want to see saved? then you're going to have to say the only way they're going to get saved is when God uses trouble in my life to bring me to the place that I pray like I've never prayed before. You know, it kind of spooks me a little bit to pray like this and to preach like this. Because I'm thinking, what's next? What could happen? How many of you ever thought about that what could happen scenario? How many of you have seen some problems happen to people and you say, wow. I don't know how they dealt with that. Well, why don't we do right now? Why don't we seek God's face and say, oh God, I need effectual, fervent prayer in my life. I need need prayers that you're not going to ignore. If you're serious, And you're going to respond and say, I'm not not playing the games. I'm responding to God's chastening in my life. And I'm going to pray. Let's stand as we close. Father, we... There's no doubt about your love for us. It's it's already been shown on the cross. Father, what you've shown us this morning is that love just didn't end there, Father. That love continues. And Father, that that